Hey Logo Geeks, Ian Padgett here and on this week's episode we're going to be chatting logo design with Ben Loys. Before we get into the interview I do want to give a big shout out to a sponsor of this podcast, FreshBooks. Now FreshBooks is a cloud accounting software that makes it really easy to create and send professional looking invoices in seconds. To try it out for yourself with a free unrestricted 30 day trial, all you need to do is visit freshbooks.com forward slash logogeek and be sure to enter logogeek in the how did you hear about us section. This week I'm chatting with Ben Loys an identity designer from Los Angeles with over 18 years experience. Now I connected with Ben uh, through Twitter uh, many years ago now and was immediately impressed by his simple logo design work, um, which is, you know, is on par with uh, work from designers such as Paul Rand, who's really inspired me. Now, what I loved about Ben's work is how it's presented. Um, he uses real life photography, and I feel like that's something uh, that really uh, helps to set him apart from other designers that I've seen online. Like most of us uh, use uh, like stock imagery and and templates, we actually um, use this real life photography, and and I just think what he does is absolutely fantastic. Uh, so that is a topic that we speak about in this episode. Now, being an inspiration for me as um, I would say one of my favorite designers, uh, it's always delighted me when I've received postcards and and posters and and different things in the post from Ben, um, showing off his latest and greatest work. Um, He clearly has a true passion for logo design and customer service too that just shines through everything that he does. Now, there was so much I wanted to uh, chat about with Ben. Um, so in this interview, we we cover so many different topics, which could uh, include his early life as, as a designer, um, his logo design process, how he presents his work, uh, the files he sends. Um, and then we talk about a really important topic, uh, work-life balance as well, which is some fantastic advice. Uh, we also talk about how he works with big names, including uh, Nike and Coca-Cola and how he got those opportunities. And uh, we also talk about um, the photography uh, for his portfolio and uh, just so much in, the, in, in this interview. Um, so we kick off the discussion, learning how Ben started his career in design. So here's Ben Loys. Growing up, I I was always interested in um, drawing and painting and these things. Even um, in my teens, was uh, doing murals and things like that on the uh, on the East Coast. Um, and and when it came time to to uh, go to school. Um, I, I, I thought the best option for me, my interests would be art school. And so I actually, my formal training is, um, fine art, drawing, painting, sculpture, but, and at the time I, 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 although I had, um, maybe unknowingly done some design, uh, for friends, I didn't know what design was really. Uh, and so it was in school where, I met some working designers, really um, just great, uh, talented designers in Atlanta, Georgia, and um, really just worked under them uh, or uh, asked questions, um, read their books, got some help. And um, a number of these designers, which, um, you know, I had maybe you could say unofficial apprenticeships with. Um, began to send me some work or projects that they, you know, didn't have time to do. And, um, and I began to work in that way. And, and, and a number of the designers that I was with at the time or, or working with or friends with had their own businesses. And so, um, you know, it seemed like something that could be done. <laughs> and so, uh, anyways, uh, here and there, I'd be t- taking jobs, uh, working on a, you know, maybe a, a flyer for someone or a logo for someone or um, uh, different kinds of projects. And then uh, I, I just decided at some point to begin my own uh, 
to, to, to begin my own company, to, to start my own studio. And uh, so um, it actually went through a few different phases. Uh, um, at first, I was um, doing a lot of different, different kind of work, kind of just taking whatever came in. Um, somewhere in between, I, I, my wife and I even began a apparel line, a, kind of like a product line, apparel line. And then uh, after some time, I, I um, transitioned to, to Ben Louis Studio, which I'm running now, focusing more on uh, branding and identity. And so um, I don't know if that, that fully answers your question, but that's kind of the way it happened. And, you know, the way I learned design and I'm, it was through kind of like these unofficial apprenticeships. And this is something I... Um, still are, am very, uh, you know, um, passionate about and interested in. So even today, um, um, you know, I, I practice to have some who are working with me and, and learning in that way. Um, I feel it's a very beneficial way to learn and to uh, uh, learn the craft and the skills and even the business side of, of design. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. Um, I, I know my myself. I, I learned a lot over um, uh, the the span of my career from uh, mentors. So it's it's really nice to hear that that you do that. And um, your story uh, is uh, uh, fascinating. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, now I noticed with your uh, logo design work that your style is. Uh, very similar to designers such as uh, Paul Rand, um, like is it's very minimal, uh, very clean. Like where where did that come from? Since you have um, a fine art background, as you mentioned. Yeah, well, um, I I've always been interested in simple things, and maybe throughout the year, my um, this aesthetic has been kind of solidifying and, and, and becoming a little bit more clear. But I actually, um, although it's hard to say, because although my work is somewhat clean and, and, and very minimal, I also um, like to show the human touch in my work. And so I think that comes from, um, that comes from, you know, using my hands, using, pencils using paint. So along with um, a very kind of clean, iconic, simple style, there's also the, 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 the kind of human hand element within it. Um, so uh, as, as far as how did the, the, you know, the aesthetic of simplicity come, I think it's just something that I've been um, attracted to and always are am impressed by when I see a um, a solution that's so clear and so simple. It's one of the most uh, I feel the most difficult parts of design to take a complex problem or a, um, a multi-layered situation and find a way to um, boil it down to something so simple um, that 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 communicates without distracting so it, it this is something that um has always um uh attracted me and drawn me and and kind of uh gets me excited when i see it but then along with that and to balance that i also um really enjoy seeing that a human was involved in the making of that thing and so a lot of times you'll see in my work you know pencil marks or or paint or um, cut paper, things of that sort, which probably come from the more hands-on um, training that I've had in the past. Well, that's, that's amazing. And, and for sure, I can see that in, in your work. This actually leads on really nicely um, to another question I have for you. Uh, as I noticed on Twitter recently, you posted a picture of a sketch you did. And alongside that was the final logo. 
Now the the sketch itself was it was very carefully planned. Um, I, I could see that you did it on uh, gridded paper, and you'd even included uh, measurements on there. And um, you know, having them next to each other, if you compare the two, they were almost uh, identical. And uh, based on that, it's just really clear that you do all of your thinking and uh, logo development work actually directly on paper, um, but only use um, you know a computer to finalize the the artwork itself. So would you be able to talk through your process? Because I'd love to know uh, how you uh, work on a logo from start to finish. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, I, I do uh, really enjoy, again, uh, pencil in hand and uh, hitting pencil to paper. Um, but of course, the, the process, the overall process from beginning to end starts before that. And so um, I'll normally uh, have a phase of, of research, which includes, you know, um, sometimes uh, visiting the, the um, business of the, of the company I'm working for. Um, most of the time, uh, either talking to or interviewing uh, either the owners or the staff members, um, sending a questionnaire and getting some um, specific and, and crucial information to, to uh, kind of set the direction for the project. Um, competitor audits, looking at the competitors and really um, comparing and trying to see what they're doing and how they're many times copying one another in order to... Um, help my particular client to, to stand out. Um, some industry research uh, and things of that nature. So there's normally a, a first phase of kind of getting to know the client, getting to know their, um, their industry and what sets them apart, what makes them unique and, and different. And sometimes it's even uh, solving a particular problem that they can't see, or, or I would say finding finding a problem that they can't see. And from there, um, there's a second phase, which I, I just call the direction phase. And uh, in this phase, I organize information, um, develop a, a design brief. I know many times the design brief and many, uh, many uh, designers processes start before, but I normally uh, develop a brief after the phase of research. And um, they may have made one before, but I normally try to kind of make a crystallized, simplified version of the brief so that we can agree that we're on the right, um, we're in the right, going the right direction. Uh, it also might consist of word studies, sketching, mind mapping, um, all of these things to basically set the direction uh, of, of, of the design process in that particular project. And, um, and so from there, uh, I normally sketch quite a bit. Um, there are some projects where kind of the idea and the sketches will happen very quickly and I'll land on something. And, and there are some projects even that, that um, just, just to start uh, quickly sketching things out in vector, I'll also start in Illustrator while I'm, I'm sketching. Um, but most of the time I'm, I'm just in the sketchbook in this part. And then after an, a lot of sketching, I'll select a few directions, um, normally somewhere around five directions from, from a, maybe even a few hundred sketches and begin to refine them. Um, again, this is where the simplification process happens. How can I make this more simple, um, communicate a little more clearly and, if, if the, the end product is going to be a vector, this is where the vectoration, you know, kind of project would happen of, of the directions. But then from here, um, I would select the top maybe one to two options um, and begin to create a presentation. Um, and I feel the presentation is a very crucial part of the design process. And actually all of these parts I consider design, not, not just the part where your pencil's on the page or where you're in Adobe Illustrator, but the research, the phone calls, the conversation, the experience they have with you 
um, the comfort level that you're able to bring, the answers that you're able to provide, or, or at least the direction that you're able to provide. All of this is, is part of, of design. And, and so then presentation is very important. Um, being able to clearly communicate uh, what the process that we've been through together, the designer and the client. And I normally show a presentation either in person or via, you know, Google Hangout or something like that. I'll, I'll uh, uh, create a, a PDF or keynote and go through the whole process with them. Um, the process of uh, um, research, direction, design, present, uh, and then and this will be all included in the, the presentation, which will show um, not only these things, but the logo and application show some very various uh, applications on products, on um, social media, um, different things. And, and so um, I'll normally show one to two options, but the client is, is made aware that uh, throughout the whole process that I wasn't just working on one option. There's been maybe hundreds of directions, but um, I, I just feel my job is to find the, the direction that is the most clear, um, that is the most um, solid, strong, the strongest direction and present that. Um, and so I normally do, do it that way. I know designers have different ways of, of doing this, um, but I'll normally show one to two if they, um, sometimes they'll like what they see. Sometimes they'll have some questions about it. Um, either practical questions about their business or maybe even subjective questions about likes and dislikes. But uh, there, there is opportunity to go through a phase of, um, you know, changes and things like that. And then uh, normally a handoff will, will include providing a, the logo and, or, or the identity parts in different kind of files and formats, um, creating an identity guide, um, things like that, getting things off to the press. So that's kind of the, the maybe a detailed uh, process that I, that I normally uh, work along. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's, there's a couple of things that I'm um, quite curious to know a little bit more about. So mm-hmm. in terms of the, the, the physical presentation, yeah. I assume that sometimes you're doing it in person, sometimes you're, you're doing it um, online via a, a, a telephone call. How how are you doing that when you're not actually able to um, be in be in the same room with that person? Um, can you can you can you get a little more into it? What do you mean? How? Yeah. So I mean, in in terms of you know physically doing your your presentation, are you are you literally just sending them over some kind of PDF file and and talking through it? Oh no! I never send. Uh, I never send any documents via email and just have them right. pop it open. <laughs> uh, normally, if it's um, if it's via Google Hangout or something like that, we'll have a um, a scheduled time that we'll meet, and okay. then um, I'll share my screen and I'll walk through the presentation page by page and and kind of describe. But I never send anything out via email uh, until. Right, I understand. I understand. So it's basically um, uh, a Google Hangout. Um, you've got full control over what they're actually seeing at each um, stage of the process. Right. And um, I'm just curious that actual physical presentation is that like a PowerPoint presentation or, or a keynote, or are you doing that as like a PDF? I'll normally do a keynote or a PDF. Um, for a PDF on, on Google Hangout, I'll just share full screen. So all the other, uh, you know, graphics and icons on the sides will disappear. Um, but also, but Keynote is quite nice uh, to use as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. And um, also, um, you mentioned about um, sending files. It's, it's a topic that I haven't really um, spoken about much on the the podcast. And I know um, there's uh, people at different levels of their career, um, you know, that, that might be listening to this. So, you know, just for the sake of those, are you okay just to kind of explain through like the final files that you might send a client once they've actually agreed the uh, logo? Uh, sure. Yeah. I'll normally send a document and I'll just number the folders inside the document. Uh, you know, it'll be a zip file. 
and I'll number the first, the, number one will be a, um, an identity guide, their identity guide. Um, and I, I normally let them know to take a look at that before uh, they, they get into all the other files. And then I'll send um, EPS files uh, in, you know, I'll send the, both the, if the logo has, has a full version and a symbol, or maybe it has a vertical and a horizontal uh, lockup, I'll send all the EPS files that way. I'll also send high resolution JPEGs, 300 DPI, and then, you know, low resolution uh, PNGs with, without a background, trans- transparent PNGs. Um, I'll send them a fav icon, um, a number of, uh, icons for their social media kit. And, uh, if there's anything else included in this, in, in whatever first phase we've worked together, let's say there's some business cards or there's some photography, uh, that, that they've purchased as part of their, you know, uh, identity. Uh, so all those things will be once the project is signed off and um, final payment is made, they'll get an email, a zip, a zip file, uh, very organized uh, with all of those kinds of file formats that they can use and a little short email with directions on how to use them. And of course, they can either send those off to their in-house design team or, or, or if we continue to use to, uh, to work together then, uh, then of course I would use those files, but you know, they have everything on hand to use from that, that point out. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, um, what's the reason why you send, um, EPS as opposed to like, um, like an Adobe Illustrator file or a PDF, for example? Well, I, I, um, I, I actually do sometimes send Adobe Illustrator files. Uh, it, it meant, sometimes it depends on what the client wants. Um, but the, the main, um, the, I guess the main decision is a vector file and a pixel mm-hmm. file. So mm-hmm. that's why I send one that's either an AI or an EPS and then a, a JPEG. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Now I've noticed on your, your portfolio, um, uh, your portfolio looks really impressive and it makes use of a lot of um, what looks like physical photography. I, I assume it's physical uh, photography as opposed to um, mock-ups. Now, um, a lot of like, I, I don't have the opportunity, the opportunity to do this type of thing. So I, I'd like to learn a little bit more about it from you if possible. So um, at the moment, I use these um, kind of mock-ups that you can find online um, where you open it in Photoshop and you can apply the logo and it kind of looks real. But when you do it as photos in the way that you have, it looks, you know, so much classier. It looks so much more premium. You know, it just looks more impressive. So I'm just curious, like, how are you actually going about doing that? Are you doing that yourself or are you like hiring someone to do it? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing that myself. You know, I would never call myself a photographer, but I've been um, doing photography for um, quite some time. I, I started uh, in the maybe early 2000s, maybe somewhere around 2002, 2003, where um, I had a, a friend, a, a really brilliant photographer in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, he... He, he lived pretty close by. And so I used to go to his studio and, um, and just learn, kind of soak it up. I guess you could say, um, going back to the idea of unofficial apprenticeships, I just kind of spent time with him. I, I also designed his identity and, um, and his um, print work for, for his photography business. And so he used to just show me some tricks, some uh, tips, um, he helped me get my first, uh, professional camera, um, and which, which was a, a Nikon and I still use Nikon. I, I know, I, I, there are different likes and dislikes in cameras, but, um, I currently use a Nikon D5100 and, uh, with a macro lens and, and the macro lens is what uh, allows you to get those really close up shots. For example, if you have a business card, that's on, you know, beautiful uncoated paper with, um, you know, Pantone color for, for the, for the printing. 
it's nice to pick up some of that to see the uncoated uh, texture in the paper, or maybe there's some embossing or something like that. So to get up really close, you need a macro lens. And, uh, and so that's what I use. Um, I just kind of have a very simple setup in my studio and, and, and shoot everything that way. And as far as, you know, the templates, um, I know uh, a lot of people use templates and, and that's great. Um, even sometimes I feel like uh, the templates look better than the presentation of my work. But, um, uh, you, you know, and I, I'm, I'm totally aware of that. It's really it, it's been made very easy to uh, to to present work that looks high quality because of the templates. Um, but for myself, I just feel more comfortable presenting images of work that was produced, especially when it's in print. Um, and I feel at least it shows um, some experience with materials, um, production and a project that was followed through and completed successfully. Um, so I like to use photography to show that texture and detail. So there's the sense or the, or the client has a sense, you know, this was actually printed on a vehicle. This was embroidered on apparel. This was made into backlit signage. You know, there, there's, uh, this was actually made. Um, and so I, I just, just for myself, I, I, I feel more comfortable showing work that was, um, produced, but, but again, um, yeah, I, I myself have no problem seeing portfolios using, um, templates. And again, sometimes it, it looks really high quality that way as well. Mm-hmm. I think what I like about the um, photos is that you can see it's actually uh, real um, because I've I've had um, you know p- um, people call me and um, ask you know is this real is this one actually a real business um, yeah. but you know it's, it's because I've been using mockups and stuff like that and um, in some cases you know it's, it's pretty obvious it is because you know I've used the same one a couple of times um, but with the photos you can actually see it's real you can see the paper you can see it for, for me it looks more premium mm-hmm. so I think you know if for for those of us that want to um, kind of attract those um, higher end clients uh, with the bigger budgets, I, I I do think the the approach that you've taken is the 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 the, the best way to go. So I, I think you've done a an amazing job with that. Now, I'm, I'm curious to know. I I I get the feeling that a lot of your clients are fairly local to you, but in the instances where say um, you're working with with an international client, how are you able to still do those photos yeah um it's tricky uh sometimes the best bet is just to ask for photos uh, or hope you can visit someday on your own um but i have a number of uh, clients in other countries where it might be a little more difficult to get there um in most cases clients are happy and excited to show how the identity is developing so for example if they've created a sign they're they're excited to show uh that sign. And so, um, you know, I'll just hope they have a nice camera or, or with my minimal Photoshop skills, be able to enhance whatever they send me. And in other cases, um, I've hired photographers who are living closer, or if it's at an event, uh, photographers who will be at the event where the branding will be on display and um, just hire a photographer to go and and shoot it for me. Um, Because again, I, I, for, for the majority of the projects on my site, I, I do like to have actual photography. So I try my best to do it, uh, to, to either hire a photographer or just ask for photos and, and work with what I can. But in some cases, you know, the, the companies or the brands uh, have a good photographer or will have a good camera. And um, it's at least something you can work with to, to show um, that's kind of how I've worked it with uh, international or distant clients. I just want to take a short break to thank FreshBooks who have been kind enough to sponsor this podcast and allow me to make it possible. FreshBooks makes it really easy to create and send invoices to your clients to make sure you get paid. There's no formatting and you can add your own logo and color scheme too to make sure that your invoices reflect your brand. Another cool feature is that you can actually see when your clients have seen your invoices too, so there's no more guessing. 
It will also send automated late payment reminders too, saving you from any of those awkward conversations that no one ever wants to have. It was also recently redesigned from the ground up too, so now it looks absolutely beautiful. It's really easy to use too. So for me as a designer, that's something that matters and I'm sure it will to you too. If you're listening now and you've not yet tried FreshBooks for yourself, now is the time to do it because FreshBooks is offering you a free unrestricted 30-day trial, no credit card required. All you need to do is visit freshbooks.com forward slash logogeek and be sure to enter logogeek in the how did you hear about us section. Now let's get back to that interview. A challenge a lot of freelancers face is um, work-life balance. I I know myself that sometimes I I end up working late or evenings or weekends. You know, it's, it's quite challenging to find that healthy balance um so i'm curious from your experience how have you been able to grow your business whilst achieving a a comfortable work-life balance right um this is this is very important i think um for all designers and people in any field and um you know, in a, in a, in a general way, um, as we go on in life, we pick up more responsibility, which requires, um, our time and attention. So for example, for, I was once single and then I got married and that became something in addition to my own life that I needed to take care of and be responsible for. And then, um, I was married with a new business, you know, and, uh, and my wife and I also practice to serve in our community and with youth. This is another kind of uh, time and responsibility. And, and then we had a son. And so each of these require our responsibility, attention and care. And um, I feel, at least for myself, that as much as I can help it, none of these should suffer because I have a business and vice versa. Um, in fact, you know, in a healthy way, they can influence and inspire each other. So, um, you know, my son should benefit from watching a dad who endeavors to spend a lot of time with him, but also takes care of his business and has a passion for what he does. Um, in fact, spending time with with my son and witnessing his wonder and awe at everything new inspires the way, you know, I, I should think as a designer. Um, many times hanging out with him at the playground causes me to think about how the design of the playground can be improved or reading picture books with him has inspired me to kind of sketch out and write and illustrate ideas for picture books myself. So, you know, caring for all of these different responsibilities should enrich the other ones. Um, so in a sense, I'm not just a designer when I'm sitting in front of a computer um, and I'm not just a dad or husband when I'm with my family. Um, so in a sense, I, I, I don't look at it as much as a balance as, sorry, or like a work-life balance as much as I do just endeavoring to properly take care of various things, various responsibilities as best as I can. And the way that I has helped me, the way that uh, I do this <clears throat> or put this into practice is, is scheduling. And, you know, that may not seem that exciting and it may seem kind of mechanical, but, but it's helped me. Um, and I personally have at least three layers of lists or schedules that I use to keep track of the different things going on in my life, projects, responsibilities, things like that. And so, um, you know, first I, I have a yearly schedule of goals and I use Trello.com, uh, which is an online project management application um, to create a, a list. And this, this yearly list um, I make at the beginning of each year. Um, and I, I look at it about once or twice a month and it's, it's really an overarching list of yearly goals. So I'll have a list of goals for my family, a list of goals for my business, a list of goals 
for personal projects. All of these things are in there and they're kind of the bigger, the bigger things that I want to accomplish that year. And then um, I have a second schedule or list that I also make on Trello. And this is related to my business. And this is kind of like the workflow, the projects that I'm currently working on at that time, like on you know that particular week. And I can see what's coming up behind. I can see what is in front. Um, I can see uh, different um, deadlines, um, parts of the project that I need to complete. Uh, and so I update this once or twice a week. Um, you know, just keep keep that updated. And that helps me to know, at least as far as my business, what, what needs to get done and how I need to schedule my time each day. And then the third schedule I have, I use the To-Do app. It's a really kind of beautiful, simple app. It's spelled T-E-U-X-D-E-U-X. Um, and it's just a daily kind of like to-do app. And on this list, I have a mix of like family, business, daily tasks, and um, I update it every evening before uh, the next day of work to prepare for the next day. And for this one, I check it throughout each day. Every time I'm accomplished something, I'll check off tasks. Um, and, and really this sets up what, what I need to accomplish that particular day. And, and I, you know, have some of the larger tasks on there, but I also have smaller ones, like a reminder to email this person back who, who asked me a question or um, things related to uh, my family or, or, you know, wrapping up this project because it's due in the, ne the next day. Um, so I, I kind of use these schedules to um, make sure all those different um areas of responsibility are taken care of and, you know, finished on time um, that, you know, each one of them don't negatively influence the other in that um, maybe I unconsciously I'm spending too much time here, so I'm late there or, you know, the, these kinds of things that cause us to have a lot of late nights and things like that. Not that, not that sometimes that's needed. Um, but, uh, as much as I can, I, 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 um, kind of try to schedule things out and keep track of things so that, um, uh, the other, the other parts of my life, whether it's my business or family or other things like that, uh, don't, don't necessarily have to, to suffer because I'm, I'm kind of not watching over each item. So, uh, you know, this is, this is a little bit of my thought related to uh, the work-life balance, which is not a, as much as a balance as it is just like, you know, making sure everything's taken care of. In, in my case, by way of the help of um, some scheduling and, and uh, kind of applications that I use to, to, to you know, check off tasks. Mm -hmm. I, I've actually found myself that, um, like I, I've been part-time freelance now for, um, for just, just over a year and scheduling is probably, like you said, the, the one thing that really helps because like I use, I use Google calendar. Mm -hmm. Um, so it just means that I can block out when I can um, fit projects in. So, um, it's important that I get that project finished by that date. Otherwise, you know, um, there's a backlog. Um, but by doing that, when you do finish that on time, you know that you can stop and you can take a break, you know? So for, for me, that's where I've been able to find, um, you know, a healthy, um, balance between, uh, working too much versus, um, uh, doing not enough. And, and like you, I, th we just use different tools, but I, I I keep a note of everything that I want to do down on a piece of paper. Right. And then I use a highlighter pen, uh, to say, this is what I'm, this is what I need to do now. Mm -hmm. And then once I've done all of the highlighted things on that piece of paper, I can choose to stop or I can, you know, carry on working through that list, you know, if I get it done on time. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. It's quite interesting because in the end, when you think about it, um, we all have the same amount of time each day 
of course, of course, uh, for some uh, working into the night helps, but you know, everyone has the same amount of time. And sometimes you see um, some people who get a lot done and sometimes there, there are some who, who don't get as much done, but in the end you realize both of those, both of those people have the same amount of time. Basically it's just how we use our time. And so when, when um, you know, working for a company, um, there's a time to come in. There's a time to to leave um, the company or the or the project manager to some extent manages the project and getting it done. But when you have your own business, you become the person that needs to look over those things, and uh, it not you know it, it not only um, helps you um, to not be so anxious about many things that that you're aware of. Um, you have a little little bit more of a um, control over how time is spent, but, you know, it helps not, you know, it, it helps your clients and that they get what they need, um, in, a, in good time and, and those around you that, that are affected also. So this is a, sometimes an overlooked, um, aspect of, of, of running a business, but, uh, it's, it's very, very important. Mm-hmm. I also find by doing that, um, you know, when you can say no, um, cause for example, at the moment I've, I've got projects booked in for the next two months. Mm-hmm. So I know that if someone comes to me and says, um, you know, I need this next week, I know, you know, uh, no matter how much, you know, they're going to pay, I can't get it done, uh, without kind of, um, saying no to someone else. So, um, you know, scheduling, it, it just, you just know the, the volume of work that you can physically handle and it just ins- ensures that you don't overbook yourself right right now i noticed that you've um you've worked with some pretty big names you know uh you've you've worked with like uh nike and uh coca-cola for example and um as a one-man band i'm curious to know how did you get the opportunity to work with uh these uh big names yeah most of my clients come by way of word of mouth uh referral or or by a client seeing work that was produced for another client and reaching out. Um, and so as an example, um, for Nike, I, I had a, a client who was a friend uh, who I designed an identity for. I designed her logo and first website and some of her identity pieces, stationery and such. But she was also a curator. And so she was asked um to uh with with another curator to select um a group of designers and artists who um to promote nike's yoga bonito campaign uh design murals or make murals across los angeles for some of the teams who were going to be in the world cup that year so it was a big kind of promotional campaign for the world cup and um I knew her because she was a friend and she was a client. And so she, I was one of the, the um, designers that was selected for this campaign. And so uh, it it was, it was a quite fun project, an interesting project where I, on the one hand, I could have just, um, I don't know, drawn a picture or, or made some type on the wall, but I was asked to um, make a mural for, Brazil, who was, who, who would, uh, you know, all these teams were coming close to being in the world cup that year. So, um, I was asked to make a mural in the neighborhood of little Brazil in Los Angeles for Brazil. But, uh, the way it happened was, um, instead of make kind of making a visual picture, um, I I got, um, some paint, blue, green, and yellow paint and a number of soccer balls and called some friends and family out because, you know, soccer is a team sport. And we dipped the balls into the paint and kicked and threw them at the wall. First uh, layer was yellow, second layer was green, and third layer was blue. And when the balls hit the wall, they made a splatter, but you could see the texture of the soccer ball in the splatter. And, uh, and so in the end, it was this huge um, circular form, like a huge soccer ball form made of all these 
smaller, uh, you know, hits, these paint splatters. Um, and uh, anyways, it, it was a really uh, kind of enjoyable experience. I kind of, I, I, I thought through the process the same way I think through an identity, kind of considering the particular situation, who the client was, what they were doing, how to make this relate to the actual sport and things like that, a, a project that would be uh, simple but memorable. And, um, and of, of course, Nike did a uh, kind of, they had a film crew come out and uh, film the, the designers who are out making these murals and did it, made a time-lapse video that was, that was presented at an event here in LA at the time. But that, that's kind of, I, I know I kind of went a little further than your question, but most of the time uh, my clients come in this way by way of word of mouth, referral, um, something like that. And so it's good uh, and very helpful to have positive relationships with, um, with the people you're, you're, you work with. Um, uh, even if a project doesn't turn out the way you'd like, or you have to end a project for a particular reason, it's always good to have a positive ending. Um, because you know, that, that client may, um, need you to work on another project later or could refer you to a client later, um, or may start another company later that's better fitted and suited for you. And so, uh, I think it's, you know, the relationship between designer and client is very important and the way that kind of we're responsible for, 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 uh, uh, you know, to some degree, the atmosphere between the the client and the the designer um, for 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 having a, a positive uh, atmosphere so that um, you know situations like this can happen. You never know what kind of help they'll need in the future or or where where your your services can be referred to another client. So um, anyways, uh, Hopefully that that answers your question. Yeah, it does. It's a it's a fascinating story because I mean, at the end of the day, it, it kind of came down to who you knew, mm-hmm. and um, you know that there was a, an awareness of um, what you're able to do and how you're able to um, help businesses. So um, it's interesting because even if you work with a small company, if, you know, um, a friend of theirs, you know, works for Nike, then, you know, you've got the opportunity to work with, um, big companies. So that, that's really fascinating. Right. right. Uh, it kind of made me think of, um, another question, like in, in terms of, um, meeting people, getting to know people, like actually physically meeting new clients, is there anything that you're doing, uh, to, to like proactively, um, connect with new people? Well, I, I connect with people um, a little bit online. I, I, I do uh, maybe a little more closer to home. Um, I'll go out and, and um, meet clients at their potential clients at their businesses. Or um, if I see a, a new shop in town <laughs> or a, a potential client that I'd like to, even if not work with, just like to be in the kind of network with um, I might stop by their office and, and um, just say hello and drop off some material or send them something in the mail or maybe send a quick phone call. Um, so um, that that's kind of the way I, I, I'm meeting people in person, although there are, there are also different design events and, and things like that, but that may be a better opportunity to meet other designers in your, uh, in your area. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned about dropping like something off at um, these businesses. Do you have some kind of like pack that you give out or some like information that, that you're able to give out? Cause uh, um, I, I don't know how many people actually do that. So I'm just curious to know what, 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 what is it that you actually um, give them? Yeah, I do. I, I interestingly, I, I, I really enjoy, um, printed items, you know, um, which is a little bit different than digital marketing, um, you know, uh, where, where you're, you know, producing something digitally and changing it, um, to suit different needs. But, uh, I, I have a, a, a few pieces like, for example, uh, a 24 page, um, booklet 
called Making Marks, um, which kind of discusses the principles of logo design and shows a number of case studies uh, so that clients can see not only images of logos themselves, but learn the, the some of the process of logo design. Um, so I have um, this booklet. I have a number of uh, cards that either have the different designs on them or um, some some informational uh, cards concerning my services. Um, uh, so I, I really enjoy, although um, some in this day and age might feel print is not as, um, you, you don't have the return investment as, as clearly as you do with digital marketing. I, I really enjoy uh, printed items. And I think, uh, I think, I think people enjoy seeing them too. I think people enjoy touching something, opening something, reading something, um, touching something t- that's, you know, something that's tangible. Yeah. Um, so, um, not that I, I don't promote digitally either, but, but, um, those are some of the, uh, printed pieces that I, that I send along, uh, you know, along with, um, some material, specific material I'll send out throughout the year to, to say thank you to clients and remind them of my business. Mm-hmm. I know you sent me, um, a couple of times, um, things like, uh, the, the booklets and, um, little cards and every time, because it's so rare that people do that. I, I do take it as like, um, it, like it's a really nice gesture and um a couple of those things have actually kind of pinned up on my boards and stuff like that i've i've found it inspiring and um the like just how you stick the stamps on there and how you actually physically write on it you can see that it's not just a, a batch mail shot you've actually you know um made an effort and um, put time into sending that that out so if you're doing that to um clients as well i, I can imagine that it has um, quite a personal impact on them and you know e- even if uh, they might not necessarily actually buy something now they probably will think of you when they when they do need something right and and I think um, those things are made those printed pieces are made um, for specific reasons so for example going back to the thought of digital marketing a lot of the time with digital marketing, you're trying to hit a particular um, return. And you try some things, you use some wording, you use some images, and if it doesn't work, you quickly switch if you don't see a return and and begin to adjust your marketing scheme. But these items are really not made for that reason. Um, they're, They're made to kind of say thank you to clients and collaborators. Um, y- yes, for sure, they, they are also made to reach out to new clients. But in many cases, the mailings that, that I send out throughout the year um, are to say thank you. You know, I feel it's a real privilege to have the opportunity to be in this field producing work that not only I enjoy making, but that helps people's businesses and depending on their business model helps people, you know, their customers. And so I send out the cards and materials as a way of saying thanks. And uh, so it's a little bit different of a view than your general marketing just to uh, land a a new job. But I also, like I mentioned earlier, like to produce uh, nice tangible things. So uh, for example, you know, I mentioned the, 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 the printed booklet, um, it might just be an offset, you know, uncoded postcard set or, you know, this past year, I, 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 I um, produced a newspaper, uh, found an, uh, a newspaper printer in, in the UK and, and produced a newspaper. I, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it's enjoyable just to produce these nice, tangible things that in many cases um, people aren't investing in anymore. So I think they make a little bit more of an impact in this day and age, when a client receives a newspaper, a, you know, mm-hmm. a custom designed printed newspaper in the mail, rather than an ad that pops up on a social media channel. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I, it, it's done for a little bit different reasons than other kinds of marketing. But that's not to say that um, in producing these things, um, 
there's there's not the opportunity or or even the hope that new work will come uh, out of it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really nice that you um that you're you, you're doing that. Now, I I read on your uh, LinkedIn profile that you've been featured in a number of like magazines and books, um, and it sounds like um. But both really good PR, but also, you know, it's something that um, a lot of us kind of want. We, we want to see our work featured, you know, somewhere. So I'm curious to know, how have you been able to get those opportunities? You know, I, I wish I had a better answer for this, but um, I think on the one hand, it's similar to uh, the question you asked about clients, maybe mm-hmm. something more related to word of mouth, referral, things like that, but also just focusing on doing good work, um, mm-hmm. you know, as much as possible. Um, I think I don't have, there's probably a better person to ask related to strategy concerning these things than myself. And, um, and, and certainly others who have, you know, a lot of press and different, different, uh, and different kind of press, but for, for the magazines and books, um, uh, I just really focus on doing good work and, and uh, from time to time I'll meet someone who's involved with a, a publication, a book or a magazine. I'll, I'll reach out to them and send something along to them. Um, but in most cases, it's a, um, a situation where a, a, a magazine, a, a company or a new book that's being released will reach out and send an email and just say, Hey, we, we, we like the stuff that we're seeing. Can we, can we, you know, can we feature some in some in, in this book or this magazine? So for this, I would, you know, my um, advice would be more to focus on producing solid, strong work uh, than so much how to, although there may be a good how to that I just don't know. <laughs> um, no, you, but, you very much gave me the answer that I was hoping that you would, because um, obviously there, there's a lot of people that are out there that are, you know, intentionally trying to get this type of thing and um, it's not happening, but I like that um, you're basically um, continuously doing good work and, um, you know, connecting with people and by doing so you're able to work with, um, big brands and you're also getting, um, uh, featured in, in different things. So literally by focusing on your craft and, um, improving it and just doing good work for clients, those opportunities do come. I, I've, I've thankfully had the, the, the same thing. Like I've been in a couple of magazines and that's just by literally just continuously doing work and sharing. I, I haven't been proactively looking for those opportunities. Right, right. Now, I think just to um, wrap this up, I've got one more question for you. Um, so could you give us one, if, if you could only give one logo design tip, what would that be? One logo design tip. Um, that That's tough uh, because I think uh, different projects and different logos require different tips. <laughs> but um, maybe... I would just say, um, it could be more than one tip if it helps. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, well, I could, I could kind of give one, but m- maybe, uh, I'll, uh, I'll give you my top five. Yeah. Go for it. Thoughts. Go for it. it would be oh. good. Good. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I think maybe the top, the top, um, help, for logo design is to ask the question, how can this be simplified? And I mentioned this before, and I mention it here um, because again, I feel it's one of the most critical, crucial, and probably one of the most difficult tasks as a designer, um, how to uh, simplify or present in a very simple, understandable way um, a complex problem or situation, which many clients have. Um, and, but for different, uh, you know, there are a number of different, um, uh, helps or tips that work while, uh, designing uh, a logo. And so I've actually recently, um, uh, kind of 
created a, a, a graphic that I posted online of, of five questions to ask when working on a logo. And the first is that is just that. Can it be simplified? Um, so as you're working on, on the logo, um, consider what what is extra, what is an extra part that doesn't need to be there to communicate the same thing? Um, uh, you know, what, is there something related to this logo that is um, uh, adding another layer that makes it harder to remember or understand? You know, people, when they see logos, many times they're passing by in a car or passing by on a bus or the subway or there's a they're scrolling down a page on social media. And so a logo really should be something that um, it certainly should express the sentiment of a company, but it should be very easy, easily um recognized and and something that can can uh, be remembered so that's that's where simplicity is is so important but the second question um, is is it relevant to the field and so on the one hand um, we want the clients that we're working with to stand out um, to to be distinct but um, they should also look like they're in the in the related field. You know, in a sense, um, if you're working on an identity for a hospital or a doctor, um, unless you're trying to be kind of funny and silly and have have like a you know some kind of silly idea, their logo shouldn't look like it's for a beverage company. You, do you know what I'm saying? And so it, it should be relevant to the field. But um, the third question is, how is it distinct? Um, Although it should relate to the field, it should be distinct from its competitors. Um, that may be in the use of sans, or, uh, uh, sans serif or serif typefaces. If many of their competitors are using one or the other, you can use something different. Or maybe in colors or maybe in icons. Um, sometimes a lot of companies, a lot of their competitors may have just be using all capital uh, text and no symbol. So, so then you come in and design a symbol um, to kind of cause them to be a little more distinct. Sometimes the distinction comes in the further, you know, messaging and things of that nature. But then the fourth is what makes this logo memorable. And sometimes it's, it's, it's something that's a little bit off about the logo, something that's not so perfect. Um, something that catches you off guard will make uh, a logo more memorable. And then in this day and age, does it scale well? And um, this is important because today uh, we're not merely designing logos that are on billboards, but we're designing logos that are browser icons uh, as people are, you know, going to, to website, the client's website. And so, uh, all of these things really, uh, kind of, um, form, I feel, uh, uh, or can inform a very solid logo. So there, there are five questions that can be asked, uh, while working on a, on the logo, but, but I would say maybe the, the top for me is, uh, can it be simplified? How can I, communicate this um, problem or, or, or this company or their or who they are or, or just a sentiment about them in the most simple way that people can recognize and remember at a glance. Mm -hmm. So such good advice. Um, that infographic that you mentioned, right. um, is that something that you can share with me? And what I'll do is I'll put that in the show notes and I'll, I'll get that um, shared out on social media as well. Cause it sounds like, um, you know, some really um, top advice. So thanks for sharing that. Sure. Yes. Thank you. Okay, cool. Um, I think we'll wrap this up then. It's been uh, fantastic um, uh, speaking with you. Um, you know, you've, you've given so much to think about um, in this. So I, I appreciate your time and I'm sure that everyone uh, that's listening will uh, do so too. So thanks very much, Ben. Yeah, thanks, Ian. It's, it's been my pleasure. I've really been looking forward to, to having this conversation with you and I have enjoyed, uh, have enjoyed our talk. 
Ah, so much incredible content in this interview. Thank you, Ben, for sharing so much with us as a, an amazing interview and probably one of the longest I've done so far. Now, if you want to learn more about Ben, make sure you visit his website, which is at benloys.com. And Loys is spelled L-O-I-Z. Now, show notes for this episode can be found at logogeek.uk forward slash 2.7. Now, if you've enjoyed this interview and want to discuss anything in further detail with myself and over uh, 3,000 other logo designers from around the world, the best place to do that and probably the only place you can do that is the Logo Geek community on Facebook. It's totally free to enter and you can find that at logogeek.uk forward slash community. Now, I can't wait to meet you uh, to start talking about logo design, my favorite topic. Uh, So thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.